Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We have a lot to talk about today. We have the debut of Halloween Kills, which was another big weekend for the box office. We also have some release date changes for the MCU, but don't panic. Don't worry. It's not what you may think. It's just a little bit of housekeeping reportedly from Disney. So we're going to look at what the new lineup for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. Nothing that's affected this year. So nothing Spider-Man related, nothing Eternals related. We're going to break all of that down, plus a lot more stuff, streaming charts, you name it. But let's start by looking at the box office for this past weekend. And as we all knew it would be, Halloween Kills is the number one film. A lot of the estimates that came in yesterday on Sunday, the Actuals were a little bit below what was estimated. So Halloween Kills actually debuted a little bit below the $50 million that it was thought to have grossed yesterday at $49.4 million. But still, another up weekend uh, for the box office. And really for Halloween Kills, because it's co-produced by Blumhouse, as with all things that Blumhouse produces pretty much, it had a responsible budget reported to be around $20 million. So that is going to be a moneymaker for the studio, although I'm sure there are some participation deals that you don't see on the budget sheet. Uh, but we knew that Halloween Kills was probably going to do pretty well. It came in right around expectations, I think maybe even a little bit above. And we've now had a kind of a winning streak uh, at the box office. We almost had three weekends in a row with uh, a $50 million plus debut, which would have been the first time that happened since the summer season of 2019. But because Halloween came in just below that $50 million mark, we didn't quite get there. Uh, but still, I don't think a whole lot to complain about uh, for Blumhouse, for fans of the Halloween franchise. Well, that might be a different story because uh, there were some good things said about this film. There were some not so great things. If you want to see my rather detailed analysis with spoilers of Halloween Kills, you can click on the little icon up in the corner. I put out a review yesterday. Let's look at where this stands as far as the other Halloween films. First of all, looking at Halloween franchise opening weekends domestically, 2018's Halloween still easily holding that mark with $76.2 million. Halloween Kills, though, coming in at number two at just under $50 million. Then you have 2007's Halloween, directed by Rob Zombie, at $26.3 million. Zombie sequel, Halloween 2, at $16.3 million, which was released back in 2009. And then in the fifth spot, you have 1998's Halloween H2O, with $16.1 million. Uh, another big resurgence in interest uh, for this franchise that was done on the occasion of the original movie's 20th anniversary. When you look at the history of the Halloween franchise, it hasn't produced a whole lot of blockbuster grosses. A lot of them have done very well for the budget that was spent on them. But if you look at this chart, these are the top five highest grossing Halloween films domestically. And Halloween Kills debut weekend is good enough to put it at number four on this list. 2018's Halloween in the books is the highest grossing Halloween film of all time at $159.3 million. Rob Zombie's 2007 version at number two with $58.2 million. Halloween H2O in the third spot with $55 million. Then we have Halloween Kills with its $49.4 million gross. So it is going to surpass both Halloween H2O and Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween. And then at number five, we actually have the original Halloween back in 1978. $47.2 million 
We're, we haven't adjusted for inflation yet, but you know that's coming. Of course it's coming. But even in 1978 dollars, that's good enough for the fifth highest grossing Halloween film of all time. But you know me. You know what I like to do, especially when we're looking at a franchise that has spanned many different decades. I love to adjust for inflation. So let's look at these numbers that we just saw. But if we were to adjust those dollars for inflation, adjusted for inflation domestically, the top five Halloween openings are still 2018's Halloween and Halloween Kills just this past weekend. Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween adjusted is at $34.5 million, but not too far behind it is 1998's Halloween H2O, just over $31 million adjusted for inflation. And then 1981's original Halloween 2, when you adjust its opening weekend for inflation, it comes in at number five with $24.8 million. That was the first return of Michael Myers. It came three years after the release of the original Halloween. And if you're looking at the all-time highest grossing Halloween films. I mentioned that the original 1978 Halloween is the fifth highest grossing if you don't adjust for inflation. Well, as you can imagine, when you do, that is the highest grossing Halloween film of all time adjusted for inflation. $182 million gross. It was one of the most successful independent films. I think the most successful independent film uh, of its time and really one of the most of all time. And when you adjust those figures, it is also the highest grossing. 2018's Halloween comes in at number two, uh, again with just under $160 million. 1998's Halloween H2O, if you adjust those figures, comes in over $100 million as the third highest grossing Halloween film of all time at 105.7 million. The original Halloween 2 back in 1981 comes in at number four with $82.7 million. And then Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007 comes in at number five with $76.3 million. So you really can see the enduring legacy of uh, particularly the first two Halloween films and really just interest in the Laurie Strode saga because, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis starring in four of these five top grossing Halloween films and uh, if Halloween Kills is able to surpass uh, Rob Zombie's adjusted for inflation, so if Halloween Kills can get past $76.3 million, which I think it will, then you're going to have all five Jamie Lee Curtis starring films as the top five highest grossing Halloween films of all time adjusted for inflation. Again, you can see why the strategy of bringing Jamie Lee Curtis back uh, has been a winning strategy now for several decades for the Halloween franchise. So Halloween Kills going in with just under $50 million. Let's look at the rest of the box office top five for this past weekend. No Time to Die in its second week at $23.7 million. We talked about the fact last week that No Time to Die skewed older, and the hope was that older moviegoers might be a little bit slower. They traditionally are a little bit. They don't always rush out to see a movie on opening weekend. Let's see how it does in the second weekend. No Time to Die dropped about 57% from its opening last week. If you're looking uh, at the Daniel Craig era, that is the second steepest drop Uh, for any Daniel Craig Bond film. So the only one that dropped more in its second weekend was Quantum of Solace, which fell about 60%. I think if you are the studio and you're looking at this, you would have wanted a better hold in its second weekend because your hope would be that you would have uh, more people coming out, that older demographic. Potentially what we may be seeing with No Time to Die is that a lot of the older audience is saying, you know what, I'm just going to watch it at home. I'm not going out there. I don't feel comfortable going back to the movies. I'm too busy right now. For whatever reason, 
season, uh, I think that we're going to see uh, a lower number on No Time to Die because we're not seeing the turnout from the older audiences. And as we looked at the stats and everything uh, last week, this is a movie that skews very much older. Halloween Kills was a movie that skewed very much younger, and we're seeing this continually. Movies that skew younger are opening bigger and better. Movies that skew older are struggling to find an audience. When we look at uh, the rest of the top five, a movie that actually did hold very well in its third weekend, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, it fell less than 50% in its third weekend at $16.5 million. The Addams Family 2 in its third week, despite being available on premium video on demand, also dropped about 30%. So it's got the advantage of being both a seasonal Halloween film that's going to run throughout October and also being a family film. Those films have had great legs uh, and a very long life at the pandemic box office. So Adam's Family 2 still hanging around. And speaking of movies that skew older, struggling to find an audience, The Last Duel from Ridley Scott uh, bringing in less than $5 million. This was a heavily older skewing movie. Uh, It did not bring in much of a young audience audience demographically at all and this is a victim we've seen this over and over and over again as the box office is resurging the one sector that's really not coming back as quickly as the other ones are older skewing films the last duel is one of those Uh, the movie had pretty good reviews if you want to check out my review i actually did it as an audio exclusive review over on my podcast channel you can find all of those links down there in the description below older audiences are just not returning in the same numbers and there are a lot of studios that are learning this lesson hard way. Luckily, No Time to Die was able to escape the kind of fate that we're seeing with The Last Duel, but again, that is going to be perhaps the lowest grossing Daniel Craig movie domestically, even though it's doing better worldwide. We're just going to have to see how that shakes out. One movie falling out of the top five in its seventh week of release is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It fell out to number six. Its gross right now is settling and looks like it's going to settle between Ant-Man and the Wasp on the low side and Doctor Strange on the higher side. But there was some news that came out today that I think got a few people a little fearful that we were perhaps experiencing a setback in the recovery that we've seen with the box office. Disney announced that they are moving the dates of all of the future Marvel films post-2021. So everything next year and beyond and shifting a lot of those release dates. And people kind of thought, I think, uh uh-oh, here we go again. We're seeing all these delays. However, according to multiple reports in different industry trades, this is not a a sign that Marvel or Disney is losing confidence in the global box office. It is uh, the fact that production had been pushed back on a lot of these films. They were not able to, to start shooting or they had to stop shooting in the middle of their production cycles. They're just not able to deliver on the timeline that they were originally had. So the decision was made to push basically all of these films back one step. So everyone moved back one space from where it was supposed to be. So according to the various reports that I've read, it's not that Disney or Marvel thinks that the box office is in bad shape or that anyone should be worried about Eternals or Spider-Man or any of that. It's more kind of a housekeeping thing of saying, hey, we want to make sure that we can deliver these movies on time. So we're going to buy ourselves a little more time to finish shooting, to finish post-production. But let's look at the updated MCU schedule. As we see, the the remaining 2021 release dates have not changed. So on November 5th, Eternals is coming out. On November 24th, the Disney Plus series Hawkeye is debuting. And then on December 17th, 2021, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is not Disney's call anyway. If there was going to be a delay, that would be Sony's call. That is coming out as planned. However, 2022 is where we start seeing these changes. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was originally going to kick off the MCU next year on March 25th. They're 
now will not be an MCU movie released on March 25th of 2022. Instead, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to kick off the summer season of next year. This is a traditional Marvel date, May 6, 2022. So that moves back uh, about a month and a half. Thor Love and Thunder, which was set to kick off next summer, is now moved to July 28th of next summer, so about a two-month delay there. And then uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was set on that July 8th date, has moved back to November 11th of next year. So right now, three Marvel films now scheduled to hit theaters in 2022 instead of the original four. That's because the Marvels, which was on the second Black Panther movie's original release date in November of next year, has now moved to February of 2023. So the Marvels will now be the first Marvel film, or at least MCU film, to hit release in 2023. One movie that's not moving is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It was set to kick off the summer season of 2023 in that MCU uh, first weekend of May slot. It has not moved. The movies are all moving around it, so no change there. Then on July 28th, 2023, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, Mania, which was set for February of 2023, has moved past Guardians of the Galaxy into July uh, of summer of 2023. And then uh, there's an untitled MCU film that was already set for November of 2023. Uh, it has just moved up one week we still don't know what that mcu film is also when we look into next year 2022 uh disney plus still has uh unannounced dates set for uh ms marvel for moon knight for secret invasion for she hulk no change in the release dates on those series for next year because we don't know what the release dates were going to be to begin with uh so I, I i'm not concerned about this because i do think this is just an inevitable move that disney was going to have to do uh because of the production disruptions and having to move everything else around. This also gives some time to space things out a little more. There were there were more Marvel films that were released this year than they had anticipated. They're now buying themselves about five months off, so you're not just going from film to film to film to film. I don't mind this move. I think that if you need to make sure that everything's done in a timely manner and you, you're, you, you want to give these films the attention and care that they need, I think that that is a positive thing. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that there are some that are a little alarmist about this. I'm not concerned in any way. I don't think this puts the future release schedule of any studios or any movies uh, in danger in any way. I actually think if you look at our numbers, the box office recovery is is progressing pretty well. And on that note, I've actually kind of updated a chart that I did. I, I was showing the what I called the road to recovery, uh, just the weekend uh, total box office for all movies uh, as we went on and kind of seeing how we were picking up steam as the year went on. I decided to kind of double down on that a little bit and show not only the total box office week to week for this year, but also the total for 2020 uh, for for a comparison on how last year's box office looked compared to this one, and also the box office for 2019. So I put these all uh, on the same chart here. Uh, you'll see the 2019 box office is the line in blue, the 2020 box office is the line in orange, and then this year's box office is the line in green. And for our audio listeners, I'm going to try to explain this as well because I know that you can't see the chart. But if you see the blue line 2019, that's of course the the not the baseline, but the last fully normal box office year that we had, that huge spike that you see right around week 17 is, of course, the record-setting debut uh, of Avengers Endgame. You, you're not going to see that every year, uh, but that that's just sort of like this was the before times, and then you look at the Orange Line 2020, up through the first eight weeks or so, uh, the box office was outperforming uh, 
2019 to that point. And then you just see this absolute crash of uh, flatline. That's, of course, when the theaters uh, closed. You see a bit of a bump around week 36. That would be uh, the debut of Tenet. And then you start seeing things like uh, Wonder Woman, uh, 1984, etc. Movies starting to come out at the end of the year, uh, last year in 2020. Uh, but then the green line. You see starting at week one, a very low line uh, beneath $50 million total gross from all of the movies in theaters on any given weekend. And then right around week 17, again, we start seeing A Quiet Place uh, Part 2. We start seeing Cruella. We start seeing F9, all of the summer movies. And you can see that the line is gradually moving up. Now, it's certainly not even close to the degree uh, until around week 28 of what we got back in 2019. But you see week uh, 29 or 28 there, the box office of 2021 and 2019, those lines almost touch. uh, And we've been getting close. The the thing that's going to be interesting, if you look here, the last week in green, that is this week's box office, is uh, pretty close to what the box office was at the similar time in 2019. If Dune hits, uh, if we have a a big debut from Dune this upcoming weekend, if the movies that are already out in theaters hold well, uh, Ron's Gone Wrong is also coming out. So if we see that family audience uh, turn out uh, at the theaters this weekend, I think it's very possible that next week we could see for the first time uh, since the early days of 2020 pre-pandemic, we could see uh, our box office outperforming what was being released uh, to this time and at this point back in 2019. Of course, the circumstances are different. We have not a very staggered schedule. Things are coming out one after the other after the other. So it's still an abnormal release schedule. But I think that this would be another important step to say, hey, at least we can say that this year's box office is outperforming a normal year in some manner, in some factor. It doesn't mean the box office is all the way back, but it's another one of these small steps. So I'm going to continue to update this chart. It'll be interesting to see as we get into the end of the year, if Spider-Man hits well, uh, we're looking at how Eternals is going to do. Are we going to see this green line, this 2021 line, start to outperform the box office in 2019? It's just another indication that perhaps we may be uh, seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Let's return to this past weekend and look at some other charts that we look at uh, every week. The first one is the top movie per theater, and that goes to Halloween Kills. In just over 3,700 theaters, Halloween Kills brought in 13,000 per theater. So another good week if you're a theater owner. You're getting some movies that are putting butts in seats. That is a very good thing and a very needed thing. Looking at the limited release films, the specialty box office, these are movies that are playing in 1,000 theaters or fewer. The number one movie, we actually had two films in limited release hit the overall top 10 this weekend. Number one is a movie called Hansla Rock, which is, uh, it translates roughly to Cheer Up. This is a Punjabi language film from India and uh, this is a comedy about a single father. It was released worldwide in conjunction with the Hindu holiday of Dasara. So that's the first film that we see that was uh, in the overall top 10. The second one is uh, Lamb from A24. In its second week, brings in another half million dollars, so $543,000 for Lamb. That movie continues to do well in limited release. We have another film uh, from India uh, in the top limited release uh, chart here, Most Eligible Bachelor in 195 theaters. It made over $470,000. This film was uh, delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, it was also timed to the release 
release of the Indian holiday this past weekend is a Telugu uh, language film. Uh, but we see two films from India at the limited release box office. Again, targeted marketing, targeted release. Uh, when we talk about Indian films being released here in the United States, we often see so much success here in the limited release uh, uh, section of these charts uh, because there is much research done to know where the desire is for this film. And you obviously see that you can drive turnout uh, a very sizable uh, population of folks here in the United States that want to see uh, Indian cinema. At number four is Tatan in 112 theaters. It brings in another $90,000. France announced that Tatan will be its official Oscar submission for best uh, international film. Lamb also, Iceland announced, will be its submission for Best International Film. So we could have some very unique nominees this year. And then at number five, After We Fell, which continues to play out uh, in limited release at 126 theaters with another $63,000 gross over the weekend. Let's look at the top five movies internationally. Number one continues to be The Battle at Lake Shangjin from China. We'll see that it is also moving up the 2021 worldwide chart. At number two, though, is Venom Let There Be Carnage, which opened up in several international markets. So a big, big weekend number uh, as it continues its worldwide rollout. It does not yet have a Chinese release date, but the first Venom film did exceptionally well in China. I would not be surprised to see that Venom Let There Be Carnage gets a Chinese release date. Uh, in the near future. We're kind of stay tuned for that as the summer movies, it seems fairly obvious, will not, a lot of them not be getting Chinese releases. No Time to Die banks another $53.9 million internationally, meaning outside of the United States and Canada. My Country, My Parents uh, remains a draw internationally as well with $14.5 million. And The Addams Family 2 rounds out the international box office with $9.7 million. So when you take those box office numbers, combine them with the domestic domestic box office numbers, we get the top five movies worldwide. And Venom Let There Be Carnage actually comes back to the top of the pile because of its continued strength here domestically uh, and its great debut in the international markets. It's number one. It was a very close race between one, two, and three. $78.8 million, Venom Let There Be Carnage, the number one movie in the world. No Time to Die, the number two movie uh, in the world, continuing to do well in international markets. It still has some big ones coming up. $77.7 million. The Battle at Lake Shangjin at number three with $71.8 million. Halloween Kills, largely driven by its domestic debut at $54.9 million worldwide. And The Addams Family 2, also rounding out the worldwide chart at $16.7 million. Let's look at the charts overall for 2021. Looking first at the 2021 overall domestic box office, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings remains number one at $217 million domestically, followed by Black Widow at number two and F9 at number three. Venom let there be carnage moves up one more slot to number four it's going to surpass f9 uh, here in this next week and looks like it's very very close to surpassing black widow as well perhaps very possible by next week that venom let there be carnage will be the second highest grossing movie domestically of 2021 a quiet place part two drops down one spot to number five Free Guy, Jungle Cruise, and Godzilla vs. Kong stay at numbers 6, 7, and 8. No Time to Die is on the cusp of that $100 million domestic gross. It enters 
the 2021 domestic chart at number nine. Cruella drops down one spot to number 10 and dropping off of the 2021 top 10 domestically is Space Jam, A New Legacy. It's been quite a bit of time on the chart though, ever since this past summer. Let's look at the 2021 chart worldwide and also some big motion here. Uh, Hi Mom is still the number one movie of the year, but we see the battle at Lake Changjin has moved up to number two now, 741.7 million dollars solely from its run in China. So another hundred million dollars. It will be the highest grossing movie of the year. We'll see if it has uh, that kind of momentum. That bumps F9 down one slot to the number three overall movie of 2021 with 716 million dollars. Detective Chinatown 3 dropped down one spot to number four. Godzilla vs. Kong stays at number five. No Time to Die jumps up at number six. It moves up three spots and I made an adjustment a lot of people last week saying well wait why did you put the American flag next to No Time to Die when we have the different countries flags the countries of origin uh, that's a fair point you know I mean it is a co-production it's released here in the United States uh, by an American studio but James Bond is an inherently uh, British character he belongs to Britain so I have uh, changed that uh, to the flag of the United Kingdom uh, at number six but No Time to Die close to that half billion dollar mark at the worldwide box office Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings Black Widow and Free Guy all moved down one spot and A Quiet Place Part 2 is at number 10 although Venom Let There Be Carnage is very close to supplanting that I think this very well could be A Quiet Place Part 2's last week on the 2021 overall worldwide box office chart before we look at what people are watching through the various streaming services, I want to take a look back at a previous box office weekend, and we are going back to 1997 this week when another horror film opened at number one. This, for me, uh, as a 14-year-old in 1997, uh, you combine Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sarah Michelle Gellar in a movie, you can't go wrong, and I think uh, for uh, my counterparts, for the girls in my class, throwing in Freddie Prinze Jr. and Ryan Phillippe doesn't hurt either. I Know What You Did Last Summer opened at number one on October 17th through 19th, 1997. So a big opening for that film. At number two, opening the same weekend, another one of my favorite films from 1997, The Devil's Advocate, starring Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. The Alex Cross thriller uh, starring Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman, Kiss the Girls, in its third week was at number three with $6.9 million. And in its fifth week, In and Out, starring Kevin Kline, rounds out the top five with $3.7 million. Before we go, as always, I love to take a look at the streaming charts through some of the various services to see what people are watching at home. And we will start with Amazon. At number one on Amazon, Free Guy stays on top. The rental window is open. At number two, available on premium video on demand is Cop Shop. And I, I just want to take a minute here uh, and endorse this movie because Mara and I went to see it a couple of weeks ago. This is a really fun movie. It reminded me a lot of uh, John Carpenter's original Assault on Precinct 13. It's a terrible title. Cop Shop, I think, is objectively uh, an awful title for this. Uh, Gerard Butler is being sold as the star of the movie, although it's more of an ensemble piece. But if you're looking for just a really solid kind of action, dark comedy, uh, really gritty kind of just... I, I, we just loved watching this movie. I can't wait to see it again. Uh, but its I'm sure it's not available still at any theater close to you. But check out Cop Shop. If not on premium video on demand, then when it is available for rental. Because I think it's one of those movies where word of mouth is going to take over and a lot of people are going to really find this as it hits the home market. F9 at number three, available for rental. The rental window is open on Black Widow. So it's there at number four. Candyman at number five. Halloween 2018 
2018, a lot of people renting that movie in advance of Halloween Kills opening this past weekend. It hits the chart at number six. Venom, The Protégé, and Spectre, all holdovers at number seven, eight, nine. And then Old Henry, which has also showed up on the iTunes chart, we'll see that in a moment, comes in at number 10. Speaking of the iTunes chart, let's see what people are buying and renting through the iTunes store. Free Guy is at number one. Old Henry remains at number two. The Addams Family 2 Premium Video on Demand remains at number three. The rental window is open on The Green Knight. It's at number four on iTunes. Halloween 2018 takes the number five spot on the iTunes chart. The rental window being open on Black Widow takes it to number six on iTunes. F9, Old, and Spectre are holdovers at 7, 8, and 9. And then Paw Patrol the movie, people renting that film, it comes under the chart at number 10. Let's take a look at what people are watching on Netflix, and we will start with the overall Netflix chart, so encompassing all the programming that's available on the streaming service. At number one, a new season of the Netflix series You, which started out on traditional television. It is a big Netflix hit, and uh, it is the number one most watched thing on the service. Squid Game, though, remains at number two, the highest has not died down yet for that. The Netflix series Made is at number three. The final season of the Showtime series Shameless is now available on Netflix, and so that keeps that show at number four. The Netflix original movie The Forgotten Battle, which is actually a Dutch film that was released in 2020, comes in at number five. Dave Chappelle, The Closer, which has been heavily in the headlines still for this past week, stays in the Netflix top 10 at number six. At number seven is Coco Melon, which had a new season debut this week. This is its 30th consecutive week on the chart and I think it's actually uh, quite convenient that a new season of Coco Melon debuted this week because I actually had a very interesting experience. I was, you know, just looking for some more information about Coco Melon, kind of surfing uh, the web, as it were, and I stumbled across uh, a buried GeoCities forum, which is run by someone who claims to be a high-ranking official in the shadow government, a code named Co. C-O. Now, C-O claims that Coco Melon is really a coded message exposing the real inner workings of the United States government. And if you need proof of this, just look at the name of the show. Coco Melon is a coded message. C-O-M-E. C-O-M-E. If you take that out of the name of Coco Melon, what are you left with? You're left with the word colon. And what does the colon do? It is the body organ that expels excrement. What is another name for excrement? Fecal matter. If you take the two words, excrement and fecal, what letters are present in those two words? NFLX, which is the stock symbol for Netflix. But don't worry because this goes even deeper. If you go to the Coco Melon YouTube channel, the video released on election day 2020 is named Harvest Stew. This is true. You can check this out for yourself. If you rearrange the letters in Harvest Stew, you get Wear Vest H Street. Wear a vest? Why would I wear a vest? Am I going somewhere fancy? What's on H Street? Well, if you go to H Street in Washington, D.C., what are you going to find there? Oh, nothing except the White House. It all connects together. My eyes have really been open to what's going on. So just don't forget, Coco Melon is a coded message. We are wearing a vest to H Street. What's on H Street? The White House. That's where we're going. That's what Co is trying to tell us. So just watch it again. I know it sounds crazy, but it, this isn't that hard, people. It's all right there. 
Anyway, so Coco Melon is at number seven. And then debuting on the chart, we have Going in Style, starring Michael Caine, who was reported to have retired from film and then has now said he is not retired from film. Uh, the Netflix original series, My Name, which is actually another series out of South Korea. It's not co-produced like Netflix did with Squid Game, but it is another offering from South Korea. And then at number 10, oh, Mara and I sit down as soon as we can every week. The Great British Baking Show. We are we are chock-a-block into a new season. And uh, we are teaming. Team Jurgen. There's really, it seems like we're, we're, we're in two polarizing camps between Team Giuseppe and Team Jurgen. Uh, this is a Team Jurgen household when it comes to the Great British Baking Show, but we are loving the fact that we're getting this show pretty much in real time, I think a day after episodes are airing. So yeah, definitely a Team Jurgen household here for me and Mara. And finally, if you look at just the movies that people are watching on Netflix, we have The Forgotten Battle at number one, Going in Style at number two, Shark Dog's Fantastic Halloween, which is a short film. It's only about 24 minutes long. That's a Netflix original is at number three. My Little Pony, The New Generation at number four, still on uh, the Netflix top 10. Legacy of Lies entering the chart at number five. And then we have All Holdovers for six through 10. The Netflix original movie, The Guilty, followed by Titanic, Something Borrowed, Jumanji, and then LOL surprise the movie and that wraps it up for this week on charts with dan another big box office weekend coming up dune is opening i can't wait we're seeing it thursday night i'm gonna have my review out to you probably on uh, friday morning ron's gone wrong which is a new animated film from fox disney will also be hitting theaters this weekend and then in select markets uh, some folks are going to be getting the new wes anderson film the french dispatch it won't quite make it here this week it'll be here next week i'm looking forward to seeing that and bringing you a review when i can also uh netflix having that very limited release structure for some of their original films the idris elba western the harder they fall is also hitting some theaters this week so uh cinemark i know is a chain that is carrying some of these films uh, you can check around and see if you don't want to wait for streaming in a couple weeks you can see the harder they fall on big screens starting this upcoming weekend thank you so much for watching the show as i've been mentioning the past couple weeks uh, i have also started a podcast channel so everything that i have here on youtube is also available in audio form. All of those links are down in the description below. Also coming soon to both the YouTube channel and the podcast channel is the return of my weekly live show. We wanted to get all of the audio up and running before we got the live show uh, back into its groove. Uh, a couple weeks, I'm really excited to start doing that again. It'll be news and games and fun and just kind of a looser structure than most of the stuff, uh, other stuff that we're doing here on the channel. So stay tuned because that will be coming out very soon as well. Thank you so much for watching Charts this week. I will be back next week to talk about Dune. I try to remain as objective as I can, but I am really keeping my fingers crossed for this movie. Uh, number one, to be good, and number two, to find uh, a big audience. We'll see if Denis Villeneuve is able to make a movie that I think is as great as Blade Runner 2049, but that hopefully will be seen by more people than Blade Runner 2049. We'll break down all of that uh, Dune box office and everything else that comes up in the next week. Thanks so much for watching. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.